1: So many sports are in full swing right now, so there's no better time to get into sports betting than this very second. Go to BetOnline. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. (laughs) And welcome into the podcast, everybody. Jesse Cass here with another brand new episode of the Believe in Clippers podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We have an amazing show for you here today as Law Murray, who covers the Clippers for the Athletic, incredible writer Uh, he does a great job covering the team we're very lucky to have him on the show so that's coming up in just a moment Uh, Alex Acker my co-host will not be here this week but we got this great conversation with Law to have you covered here on this week's episode so really excited to bring that to you we talk about everything surrounding the team the recent win streak how well they've been playing as of late the Lou Williams Rajon Rondo trade DeMarcus Cousins injuries of course uh, and everything in between so a great conversation with Law upcoming quickly before we get there we want to let you know if you enjoy the show please rate review and subscribe on Apple uh, five stars is always appreciated and we're available wherever you get your podcast whether that's Spotify Google Play TuneIn iHeart all over the place we're all there so uh, find us wherever you can you can also check us out at believe.com where this show and hundreds of other shows live on the platform so uh, with all of that said we're not going to waste too much time the clippers playing some great basketball right now sitting at third in the Western Conference but right on the heels of the Suns and even the Jazz for the top two spots in the West Coast. So uh, Clippers playing well, despite a lot of injuries. They've been winning some excited, shorthanded games, uh, and they have been using their depth to their advantage. So it's been fun. We hope they can keep it up and continue as they will have fans back in the building in their home game against Minnesota on Sunday night. That was also something we touched on in this conversation. So without further ado, here it is, my conversation with Law Murray on the Believe in Clippers podcast. Here we go. I right we're now joined here by our guest here on the believe in clippers podcast he, he covers the clippers for the athletics and a great job this year. law Murray joining us on the podcast. law, thanks so much for coming on the show today
2: hey thank you for having me, Jesse. I appreciate the time here
1: yeah and it's been a, it's been quite a an interesting season obviously with uh, you know a seventy two game season shortened condensed. We've seen a lot of injuries across the league and for the clippers in general, but all things said they're playing their best basketball of the year, just just had their seven-game win streak ended the other night. But it seems like they're kind of clicking at the right time. What have you seen in really this past month or so where they've kind of turned that corner and, and both offensively and defensively kind of hit their stride?
2: Well, the homestand really helped them out. They had a nine-game homestand. It's really rare for a team to have that, uh, especially in this particular season where the schedule is so compressed, Uh It worked out for the Clippers. I mean, they had a really tough stretch going into the homestand, and uh, they just got off of a three-game road trip. They're back. Uh, They don't have consecutive home games again until the beginning of May. So, I mean, everyone's schedule kind of balances out in some way, and the Clippers really used it to their advantage to establish the kind of defense that they want to play. They've been missing Serge Ibaka for the past month, which they would hope to have him back before the playoffs. But in the meantime, uh, Vitsa Zubas has done pretty well with the extended minutes as far as making sure that the points in the paint that they were allowing for most of February going into March, that has really flipped. Uh, They've done a really good job rebounding all season, especially on the defensive glass. What Zubas has done is give them a little bit of offensive diversity in that, uh, in addition to all the great shooting, a few times the Clippers do miss. You have a guy who's <laughs> interested in being down there and cleaning up. So that has been an underrated factor. I feel like I do need to start there because we're talking about differences. We're talking about deltas and changes when it comes to what the Clippers do. Well, I mean, they are having arguably the best shooting season of all time. It, it gets to a point where it's like, well, you know, they get through this month and you have to really start thinking, wait, what records can they break? Kawhi Leonard. It's more than what he's doing as a shooter. He is creating plays for his teammates. One of those guys is Paul George. But Paul George has played without Kawhi for the past week. And he's been arguably, uh, other than Stephen Curry, maybe, uh, one of the best players in the entire league with his consistent output as a scorer, as well as continuing to facilitate and make plays for others. People thought Rajon Rondo was going to come in and change a bunch of things. I mean, all Rajon Rondo has done has been a really good role player. He doesn't play a lot, but when he's in there, he's had a positive impact. So there are several factors that go into the Clippers playing really well on both ends of the floor. And really it comes down to nailing down some of the things that they've been working on all season. It's just that they've finally reached the level of consistency that they wanted to achieve.
1: And for, for head coach Ty Lu, you know, when you have a team this talented and this deep, you're going to have to make a lot of difficult decisions, especially with rotations in the playoffs. And you mentioned how well Zubats has been playing as the starter and how the defense has really kicked it into another gear. You know, if and when Abaka uh, comes back, which the, the Clippers hope is soon, we know it's been kind of a, a big extended absence for him. What do you see that transition being like? We know he was the starter when he played earlier in the year. Um, you know, do you see Zoo keeping that starting role? Do you see them going back to Ibaka? What, what, what are your, your best guess at what do you think they're going to do when, when Serge comes back?
2: I think it's really going to be interesting. And they could go either way. And I think Serge Ibaka is the kind of player who could go either way as well. You know, this isn't going to be as difficult a transition as, say, Marc Gasol with the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, uh, Serge Abaca and Marcus Saul, I use that reference mainly because those guys were teammates in Toronto for a while. They both had uh, missed games in Toronto, not just last year, but uh, years prior. And Mark made it clear he really wanted to start. Serge was a lot more versatile than that. Like, he had no problem coming off the bench if necessary, if it meant the best for the team. And this is a really good team. Like, this is a team that has a championship ceiling. Uh, so, Serge could come back and he could volunteer like his guy, Nick Batum, or not. I wouldn't say like Nick Batum did, but uh, some may remember when this season started that Marcus Morris saw the job that Nicholas Batum was doing in the starting lineup and suggested to Ty Lue that he should come off the bench as a way to start his season and let Batum stay in the starting lineup. Now, eventually, Marcus Morris got back into the starting lineup and Nick accepted a bench role. And that has gone really well. I could see the similar situation, the similar dynamic with Serge. Like he's been out for more than a month, and maybe he sees what's going on and says, You know what? I'll be fine coming off the bench. I'll be in a second unit with Nicholas Batum, and that would be incredible. Or Ty could say, We signed you, we brought you here to start. Uh, you don't lose your spot due to injury. We saw Patrick Beverly miss almost four weeks, come right back into the starting lineup. It could go either way. And on, on, honestly, it doesn't really matter uh, who starts. It doesn't really matter. It's about minute distribution. It's about who finishes in the few close games that the Clippers wind up playing. Uh, Cause they blow everybody out. Uh, you know, <laughs> they don't play a lot of close games. Yeah, It's going to be, so it's, it's going to be a, a you know, a tough decision for Ty, a tough decision for the team, but, one that they really don't need to think about because Serge isn't ready to come back right now anyway.
1: And that's something that I think is a luxury for this team, right? With the, the versatility that they have, we've seen, depending on the matchup, you know, Tylu go goes small where he has Batum and Morris kind of playing the four or five or, exactly. you know, in bigger matchups, you can go with Zubats or Serge. So it might just be matchup dependent on, on where they want to go in closing lineups.
2: Exactly. All of this is situational. You know, uh, who who starts is a nice little checkbox or whatever. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's a way of establishing a certain type of game because what are starting lineups there for? Starting lineups is there because you practice with those units primarily and because you know that you're coming out the gates the first five minutes of the game or so trying to get your best out there. You're trying to start the game a certain way. But besides that, for the most part, you're going to be – things are going to be fluid. Things are going to take the shape of the game. And even before Serge had this long layoff, he wasn't necessarily playing more than if it's a Zubots. You know, uh, Ty wanted to see a bunch of small lineups out there. So you just you want to have more options. That's what health is. That's what availability is. But other than that, uh Ty has seen these are vets. These aren't these aren't guys new to the league, you know it's a matter of getting it in the right rhythm before the playoffs, but I don't think anyone's really tripping about anything as long as search can come back.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's pretty clear that this team is, is incredibly talented when, even when they're not fully healthy, but uh, you know, how much you mentioned health and availability, how much of a concern is that just kind of leading up to the playoffs with, with all the nagging injuries that the Clippers have had with knowing how talented they are, that's kind of their biggest roadblock right now in terms of developing that continuity and, and some of those closing lineups, Uh, how, how, much is that a concern and how much do you think uh, that'll affect be con- going forward
2: it should be a concern for every single team in the league yeah if you're trying to make the playoffs you're concerned about level of health it's hit everybody and the teams that it hasn't hit it they they should be concerned you know the utah jazz you know why they're their number one seed because they've had one of the most stable seasons in terms of their best players being available all year that stuff in a season like that matters exponentially. You know, Donovan Mitchell just sprains an ankle, and now we're about to see, oh, okay, Utah is not going to have this ability over the next couple weeks to play like they have for several months. Like, it's a a blessing. It's a great thing. You should credit a team, not discredit a team, for being able to keep their guys healthy and in the lineup. So the Jazz have belatedly – uh, hit a stumbling block uh, because of Donovan Mitchell's ankle injury. Uh, when it comes to the Phoenix Suns, they've ran their starters out in full force all season. Now, one of the reasons why you have to look at that and be like, "Oh, I, that makes sense," is the first month of the season they had a long layoff due to the coronavirus pandemic. You know, so one reason why Phoenix has done so well this season maybe. Surpass some people's expectations, not mine, but I thought they would be this good. I really did um, because they are talented, but yeah. that talent has been bolstered by availability. So for the Clippers, these injuries, really, if everything goes right, everyone's going to be in okay shape going into the postseason. But what happened in the bubble last year? You had guys in and out, in addition to the pandemic that cost everybody months in the middle of a time where you're getting ready for the playoffs you know early March in a conventional NBA season where the Clippers had won seven out of the last eight games something like that you know they were playing really well you take months away you have extenuating circumstances all of a sudden who are you You know, the Clippers are trying to not have that be a factor. The quote unquote, who are you factor guys have sat. They've had late scratches. They've had guys in and out of the lineup, all kinds of weird lineups. But I think that they're doing a good job of saying, you know what? If you have anything, Hawaii, we'll take you off the court for a week. You know, it's not the same as last year. Last year, it was guys not knowing when players, their best players would practice even everyone's on the same page that communication that level of we're all in this we all have a common goal we all know what we're doing we're trying to keep everyone fresh for the postseason I think that is going to be a big difference between this year's Clippers and
1: last year's Clippers and something that's been really fun and refreshing about about this year's team is despite a lot of those injuries the whoever comes into the lineup has played well we've seen guys just stay ready and excel in their roles of course Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard you know some nights they won't really play the other nights they'll start and play 30 minutes and play great so we've seen that kind of up and down the lineup with a lot of guys who no matter what their role is they always seem like they're ready and, and willing to contribute yeah in in a quote-unquote full roster
2: circumstance Terrence Mann is the 10th guy Luke Kennard is the 12th man yeah you know a guy who I mean Luke has been inconsistent this year in a lot of ways uh, especially when it comes to his aggressiveness when he gets an opportunity he doesn't always produce he doesn't simply put shots up but has Luke Kennard won them games this year absolutely 100 percent has Terrence Mann won them games this year absolutely and that's a dude who he was the 12th man entering this season has Reggie Jackson won them games this yeah. year. he won them again this week in Detroit <laughs> this guy was not playing every day he was the 10th guy on in the rotation to start this year that is really that's just a good sign of not just the talent and depth that that's been accumulated but also just paying it for if a guy has earned a way on the floor with this play with this work uh, when he's not playing with how he supports his teammates uh, behind closed doors uh, as well as on the bench where everyone can see that that is that that stuff matters. And that's the kind of team that the Clippers have built. It's not just talent. It's continuity. It's it's the kind of chemistry that matters, not the kind of chemistry that everyone kind of, you know, hitches onto trying to look for ways to psychoanalyze guys like it's really simple basketball is played by people. Right. Sure. And so you need people to feel good about themselves on and off the floor. And I think the Clippers have placed a priority on that. And it's one of the reasons why the minimized the the, the games that have been missed haven't affected them in the standings too much.
1: And you mentioned kind of the, the continuity and the good vibes around the team. And uh, we saw Demarcus Cousins just get his second 10 day of course kind of an insurance policy with Sergi Baca still on the shelf. But one thing that I've noticed with Demarcus, you know, he's still working his way back from injury and probably won't be a factor in terms of getting on the court come playoff time, but just in terms of being a positive presence in the locker room. Obviously he knows Rondo well seems like he gets along really well with Kawhi and Paul George, just kind of adding to the, you know, the chemistry of this team, which, which we know at times was an issue last year, but it seems just like another uh, positive influence that has worked well with this group.
2: Yeah. You know, DeMarcus is interesting because he's not as familiar with what the Clippers do on the floor. You know, he is like you mentioned, familiar with some of the players on the team. You know, he's had an Olympic experience with Paul George. He's been on, three other teams prior to this one with Rajon Rondo Rondo really likes him. Uh, he's been a mentor to him. Uh, th- there's, there's a, there's a real love there and that doesn't even speak of someone like Patrick Patterson, who a, a lot of people, myself included, thought that DeMarcus Cousins getting on the roster uh, on a 10 day contract uh, 2 10 day contracts now was going to be a means of not having Patrick Patterson play as much and not only has Patrick Patterson arguably played more, but (laughs) he's shown some things that we hadn't seen prior to DeMarcus's addition to the roster. I mean, dude is dunking, hitting multiple threes in games, playing for damn near 20 minutes at pop. I mean, it's still not ideal. You'd rather have Serge Ibaka out there. uh, And it's another reminder that the facsimile that is DeMarcus Cousins is not going to be a significant on-court factor. But it does say that, again, guys play better when they want to be on, you know, when they, when they have some rejuvenation, you know, uh, when, when they have that encouragement and Boogie has made a positive impact, I think in his short time with the team, we'll see if that is going to be brought into the playoffs. Again, you just have to temper your expectation with Boogie's physically is never going to get there, but, yeah. um, in terms of the locker room, in terms of, you know, a couple minutes at a time, depending on a certain matchup, uh, he's he hasn't been a net loss and that's a that's a good thing
1: yeah anytime you sign someone on a 10 day yeah the expectations probably aren't that high but you know as you said if you can contribute in in little ways like that that's helpful relaxing is tough with life being crazy it's just hard to shut off your brain and chill you overthink you can get easily stressed out it sucks So I did the homework for you and found out that Sunday Scaries, which are delicious vitamin boosted CBD gummies, are the perfect solution. They become a must have in your daily routine, they can chill you out in just about 20 minutes. Basically, they help take the edge off so you can maintain your composure and live scare free. And there's no risk to buy, the company offers a 100% lifetime money back guarantee. If the product's not for you, that's okay, you'll get your money back. Sunday Scaries is in the stress relieving business, not the stress causing business. I got you 25% off to prove it. Visit sundayscaries.com and use my promo code believe, B-L-E-A-V for your discount. That's promo code believe for 25% off at sundayscaries.com. They're effing amazing and you won't regret joining their squad. We've all had bad experiences with sunglasses. Some that break, some that are cheap, that don't hold up over time. It's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code K9CAST15 at K9.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. K9, clearly better. Something that I wanted to ask you about, of course, the the trade at the trade deadline. Lou Williams, who was you know, fan favorite, obviously a great presence uh, with the Clippers, both on and off the court, um, you know, traded for Rondo who has been hugely positive for the team as well. Just what were your overall impressions of that trade when it happened and just kind of the results that we've seen from the Clippers and, and how well Rondo has fit in.
2: That was tough. I, I try to take emotions out of this thing, man, but like, I'm I'm am a, I'm a big Lou Williams fan. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I always talk about the fact that we went to uh, or not went to, but we, we were the same high school class 2005. You know, I played high school basketball. So uh, I was very familiar with who was high up in the rankings. You know, (laughs) I was, I was very much unranked. So I'm not here (laughs) to gas myself up. It's just the apply a association with Lou. Uh, I've been familiar with Lou ever since um, he was drafted. Well, not even even before he was drafted. And he was drafted to my hometown team. He was drafted to play for the Philadelphia 76ers. So everybody that I grew up with playing basketball was familiar with Lou, not only before he got drafted, but then he gets drafted to a situation where he's playing with the Sixers. That's, you know, it's like, well, even before I knew what I was going to be doing with my life, like I knew about Lou Williams and then he stayed in Philadelphia for so long. He developed under Allen Iverson and, Uh, played on some good teams played on some bad teams played on some fun teams and um, like his last game with the Sixers was a game seven ironically (laughs) against the Boston Celtics and Rajon Rondo you know Uh, (laughs) like it's just crazy how those dudes wound up getting traded for each other like they tore their ACLs the same year um, came back and you know Rondo's had this career where like a lot of people thought he'd be a career Celtic now he's a guy who is like a basketball mercenary. He just shows up and makes <laughs> teams other than the Dallas Mavericks uh, somewhat yeah. better. <laughs> you know the one I mean? outlier there. Yeah, that, that's the the one outlier. But I mean, <laughs> other than that, it's been for the last five years. People have appreciated what he's able to do as far as elevating a team's performance. That's the one thing that I thought when this trade was made because I thought that they were downgrading in talent. But I did recognize that they wasn't. They weren't going to trade Lou unless it was going to be for a guy that made everyone feel better about themselves going into the playoffs. Cause that's what this season is about. The season wasn't about the past. Even the only part of the past that mattered was last year's disappointment. And what do you do with that? Well, you balance the roster and that's what this trade did. They felt like they had enough scores. Lou as a scorer, was not as effective as previous years. You can see that in his free throw rate, you know, now you don't bring Rajon Rondo in to replace Lou Williams. You bring Rajon Rondo in as insurance for the point guard position, uh, another guy who can handle the ball, but also someone who the coaching staff can feel better about the star players can feel better about. And that's what it, and, and that's what it did. Reggie Jackson is a Lou Williams replacement. You want a guy who's going to replace that scoring. You basically tell Reggie, look, we're not asking you to pretend like you're this, uh, pass first point guard like we need you to get buckets and that's what reggie's done reggie's had more 20 point games this season than lou has so when you think of it in that context i think you have to move a bunch of goal posts and that doesn't i don't like doing that to be honest with you but if you understand what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish hey the rondo trades worked out so far and they didn't even get him for the regular season they got them for the postseason so a lot of it is to be determined anyway
1: yeah no i, I felt the same way as you and Uh, you know, Alex and I talked about it on previous episodes as well, where, you know, the impact we thought Rondo could have, we were both, you know, pretty high on what he could bring, but at the same time, it did feel like a little bit of a gut punch. It was bittersweet because of how much, you know, we love Lou Williams and and what he brought to the team. And I think most of, you know, Clipper fans and Clipper nation feels that way as well.
2: Yeah. Lou is a guy who wanted to be with this franchise. He, I, I, I said when he got traded, it's like, you know, He wanted the smoke that came with whatever rivalry. I hate the Clippers-Lakers rivalry. It's BS to me, to be honest with you. But it's a real rivalry. You know, people who care about both of those teams or one of those teams, they're going to play up and, and be sensitive to the other. And Lou felt that when he got here and was like, we're the better team, you know. And then he played like it, you know, for the most part. Like Lou was lose a part of a lot of wins over the Lakers. He used to be a member of the Lakers. So he, he understood what was going on. He had more success, you know, as far as wins and losses with the Clippers than he did with the Lakers, you know? So, um, the veterans respected him. The league respects him. I can't tell you how many times guys in the middle of a cane would come up the loo and be like, yo, I love watching you play growing up. And now I'm playing against you. You know, Manuel quickly comes to mind right away. Yep. Uh, but you know, I think Devonte Graham with the Charlotte Hornets, you know, like these are, these are, you know, good young players. And they're like standing in the middle of a season, you know, to, of a guy that they are just playing against. That's how you kind of felt with Lou. Like there are people, veterans, Marcus Morris, he has been in the league. He'd been on so many teams for a significant amount of time. And he talked about how much of an influence Lou had. So you don't feel good about downgrading in talent as far as a one-for-one and saying, oh, we did this for basketball IQ reasons or we did this for locker room reasons. You have to kind of, it's not apples to apples. That's just what it is. You lose a great, player and a respected person in Lou or a, a guy who was a leader but you're gaining a guy who has a resume that speaks for itself and a guy who's going to absolutely command respect and Rajan it's you just have to be like look it's a great loss and hopefully a great game
1: and that's it yeah yeah no absolutely and uh, you know so far so good obviously with, with what Rondo has been able to bring uh, you know looking at the standings right now the clippers pretty firmly in that three spot They're within within range of, of Phoenix and even Utah three and a half back of the one. Um, do you think the Clippers care where they end up in the seating? Do they have a preferred matchup when it comes to the playoffs or, uh, you know, any impressions on, on how they feel going into the downstretch of the season?
2: As of right now, I don't think they care about seating at all. They yeah. have been extremely conservative about who's playing and when they're playing and I mean, I, I didn't mention Paul George dealing with the toe issue, which was a concern when this month started because he had missed games. He didn't play very well at all at Den- or against the Denver Nuggets when they visited L.A., but he's been on a tear ever since. So uh, with the Clippers, I think for them, they have the right attitude of who are you trying to avoid? You have, you're you trying to win a championship. That means you need to end three Western Conference team seasons and then end the season of the team that makes it out of the Eastern Conference, the opposite conference. Like, who cares at this point where that journey starts? You're going to have to show that you're the best team. You know, they've shown that they can beat every single team in the West that they might have to play anyway. You know, some of those teams haven't even beaten the Clippers yet. The Lakers, they haven't beaten the Clippers this season. The Blazers, they haven't beaten the Clippers this season. The Phoenix Suns, they have not beaten the Clippers this season. So it doesn't – seeding, no, it doesn't matter. If you're the three, the two, God forbid the one, you know. I mean, <laughs> sure, it would be great to move up, but at the same time, it's like all of these teams could probably beat you too. You know, you yeah. they learned last year. It doesn't really take much. You need to run through the tape. So I think the Clippers, their priority is there. You know they're going to make the playoffs. They might win 40 games before they lose 20. We'll see what happens Sunday night against the Minnesota Timberwolves, their first game with fans. Their priority is get the luck of the draw, have guys healthy, and wherever this thing starts, just do take care of what's in front of you from there.
1: Yeah. And there's a couple of things you mentioned there that I wanted to touch on as well. Of course, Paul George with, with the bone edema issue in his toe, as you mentioned, it seemed like it was really affecting him adversely for a while. And, you know, he's talked about the, the, the mindset shift that he's had and just the tear that he's been on lately, uh, you know, managing a really a, a tough injury, but being able to play through it, it seems like he's kind of hit a stride with it. What have you seen with him that's been able to, you know, have success despite still playing with this toe injury? I think a lot
2: of Paul George's production comes from mental toughness and being able to stay in rhythm and in a zone. Again, these games, he's played some of them with Kawhi, some of them without Kawhi. A lot of the times with Paul, he will settle and he'll disappear. He'll get a little one-dimensional. That's when he's at his worst, when he's focusing on the, the contact and not finishing through contact Uh, and he's been sensitive to the lack of whistles this year. Uh, It's been the case for most of his career. Probably the outlier was his MVP year, but even that year, he wasn't the same player because of the shoulder issue. Uh, Last year, you could understand Paul wasn't looking for contact like that. He was absolutely playing to the sensitivity of coming off of shoulder surgery. Uh, This year, he has determined that, especially in the last – week or so if he's going to be on the floor he needs to just play through whatever might be coming up and he's been more aggressive I've seen him dunk I like it when guys dunk because when you (laughs) you're, you're dunking your legs have that extra juice you have that explosion you have that will to go and finish regardless of who's coming that has made an impact his shooting I mean he's had an elite shooting season I think people forget that when Paul George came into the league he wasn't a shooter. If he was a shooter coming out of Fresno State, he would have been a top 5 pick. The Clippers might have drafted him over Alperuga Meiner you know, something like that. <laughs> no, he was not a shooter at Fresno State. He shot sub 30% from 3 his rookie year with the Indian Pacers. It's amazing how he's a he's a ratchet now, you know, and he's still in a position where he's making plays for his teammates. So the ball is in his hands a lot he's got to produce and he's got to do it a lot. And I think it's helped him that he's just gotten over it. You know, I think that's not, that's a scary thing. You're wondering, oh, I can't bend my toe. I can't flex. I can't push off when you're dealing with that. But I think the Clippers have done a good job of helping him get on the floor. He's not going to play in back-to-backs probably for the rest of the season. And he's on a roll. And hopefully he can continue that because, yeah, everyone wants to see him do it in the playoffs. But you know what? A lot of people don't wait for the playoffs to clown him. So the fact that he's playing well, it's like, keep that same energy. You know, he's playing really well. Hopefully he can continue on. There's a lot of people who wish failure on him and they, they want him to fail in the playoffs because it'll get their clicks up. So hopefully he can continue playing well uh, going into the playoffs and he
1: can have success in the playoffs as well. Yeah. Now we we've seen that plenty all over social media. Like you said, it's, you know, quiet when he has a Western conference player of the week, Week like he's had and drops thirty in five straight games, but if you know if he misses a layup or something, then it's all over the place. So, you know, yeah. it's tough for him in that regard. But he's been he's been absolutely incredible lately. Um, you mentioned also the the return of fans, which will be, ha- be happening for the the Sunday night game against the Timberwolves. Uh, we know a lot of teams in the league have had some limited fans in some aspect. You know, around 3,000 fans. This will be, of course, the first time the Clippers will feel it for a home crowd. How much of a a boost do you think that can give them? just going down the back stretch of the season and then into the playoffs of of having fans back in the building. The crazy thing is they don't have a lot of home games left. You know what I mean? Like <laughs>
2: yeah. that's like six that's, left. That's the yeah. craziest. Yeah. That's the craziest thing about it. I just talked about the nine game homestand and what that meant and how rare that is. You look at the schedule and be like, Oh, what a great logistical advantage. They did not get days off during that homestand for one, the only time during that homestand where they had back-to-back days without a game was in, was leading into the, the Lakers Easter game and even that game was early and you know during this season when it comes to logistics when you have an early game that means your testing schedule the day before you don't get the same kind of rest you don't get the same kind of sleep so it was almost like you had only one and a half days off instead of two you have to play an early game that's the case for both teams but again for a certain team like the Clippers like that rest is a factor when you don't have that break in the schedule so now you come to the back end here and you don't have many home games only they have literally one stretch left where they have consecutive home games but players have spoken about the the energy that comes from the crowd a crowd that cheers for you because they've played in front of crowds all you know for parts of this season uh and in an increasing manner because more and more teams have opened the building up to a limited number of fans uh those chances they're not cheering for the clippers so perhaps (laughs) now they get a little bit of that energy you never know what's going to happen and uh it's good progress uh for the country for the the municipality uh that's good for that's good for them and and then it's about the playoffs home court advantage meaning something and uh, and so it's good that they're going to have fans i think the players are going to get a boost from it but ultimately uh, the game is played on the floor, so whatever boost that they get from fans is great. But don't don't have fans and get smacked on your first night back. <laughs> you know, like if you gonna if you're gonna be happy that fans are in the building, cool. Well, play like it. So that yeah. remains to be
1: seen too. Yeah, br- bring the energy, especially against you know a, t- a Timberwolves team that obviously the bottom of the league, but you know they've got a couple of their their key players back. So yeah, got to bring. They played much. They better. They play much better with D'Angelo back. And-
2: Exactly. When they haven't, they made the, the Angela Russell trade and gave up a prime opportunity for a lottery pick possibly uh, because they wanted to pair Russell and towns together. They've only been able to do that for not. I don't, I think Sunday night would be the 10th game in that circumstance. And they have a winning record going in when those two guys play together. It's almost like when a roster has ideal circumstances, the team play better. So Yeah, what what a concept, right? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, like respect the game, right? Respect the game. Anybody can beat you if you think that you you take an off night. You can get smacked by anybody in this league. These guys are pros. That's why even though people say, well, teams aren't playing enough or there's too many games and it's too sensitive. It's like, no, the Clippers have done this well because they have pros on their roster. Every team should, but every team doesn't have that, you know, but any team can beat you. So you still need to respect the game and don't look at the team's record. Look at the ability that a team can, can, uh, can play against you and you need to match that and, and play your game as well.
1: Yeah. And, and I know it's, it's tough when you're not able to, to be around the team as much with just the circumstances of, of the pandemic. Um, but any indication, we know the Clippers are tight-lipped as well, but, Uh, Kawhi Leonard we know they've been cautious with him with that sore right foot uh, listed his question while going into that Timberwolves game any indication of if he'll be back for that or if not when uh, when he'll be back on the floor and and back to his usual dominant self I thought
2: that he was going to play Friday and they decided to hold him out uh, in Philadelphia he was on the trip and it's always good when a guy travels even though he's not 100% uh, but you know he didn't play so Anything could happen with Kawhi, uh, I guess, and it, it's you, you don't really like seeing a guy listed with a particular injury for an extended period of time, but I also think the Clippers kind of had a plan as to what they're going to do. They're not overly concerned. Uh, it's not like... He, The words that I look for are like setback and not traveling and (laughs) not practicing. I don't think that's really been the case. Not that they've had days to practice anyway. Again, they're on a stretch here where they've been playing every other day, sometimes back-to-back days. So they don't get back-to-back days off until after Sunday against the Timberwolves, after a back-to-back, which includes a trip to Portland, which is also one of the underrated toughest trips in the league uh the the you know playing a back-to-back with a visit to portland as part of it uh they have to play a game in houston a uh, typical trap game because it's it'll be their third game in four nights then they get back-to-back days off then we'll see what things are going to look like as far as how guys are resting who's available um even who's on the roster they've got multiple yeah. 10-day contracts right now so uh when it comes to Kawhi again, these games don't matter. Next month, games matter. So they can be conservative as they want. They've shown they can win with him and without them. Uh, I'm not really concerned about Kawhi right now. Uh, we'll see how that develops over the next week.
1: Yeah. And, and as we've said, it's kind of been the theme for not only the Clippers, but all teams this season with health. Um, you know, it, it'll obviously be determined when he comes back. Uh, but, you know, another guy who record wise has been so instrumental for the Clippers is Patrick Beverly, who, of course, returned from an extended absence, broke his hand in his first game or second game back, um, and he's out for another month or so. Um, Just in terms of getting him back and what kind of minutes he can play going into the playoffs where it'll be, you know, kind of right up up against that. uh, What do you see with his return with, with other guys like Reggie Jackson and Rondo playing so well with, you know, when Beverly gets back into the fold?
2: We got what we needed to see when Beverly came back for those two games, those are two big games that he played in terms of coming back from the right knee soreness that he's been dealing with, not just all season, but I mean, people remember that he missed most of his first season with the Clippers after major uh, right knee surgery. Yes. The two are related. So managing that particular ailment is a priority and, this fracture of his hand is actually there's a silver lining. I've always felt like there's a silver lining with Anthony Davis and LeBron James missing time. Now, a lot of people be like, Oh, they're missing time. Like number one, you get guys, who are stepping up and playing roles, playing important roles and establishing the level of defense that the Lakers have. Like I'll give the Lakers some credit there. And you know, a lot of people want to focus on injuries, but those guys aren't dealing with season ending injuries. They'll both be back and they're both getting rest in terms of missed games where they'll probably look raggedy when they come back, but it'll be like the seeding games. A lot of people thought of the Lakers going into last year's playoffs as and look at how bad they were in the seeding games and were like, oh, great, this is going to bleed into the opening round of the playoffs against the Blazers. They dropped one game and then they pretty much handled their business from there, you know, like LeBron and AD are going to be rested relative to how if they didn't get injured and were going to play all of these games in all these minutes, things would be different so look at patrick beverly in in that perspective he has an injury where he possibly could still keep his conditioning he's not going to you're not concerned about the knee flaring up when he's dealing with a hand injury and not playing in games that's going to be a factor what we saw from him against the trailblazers and against the Suns is that he's going to start and he's probably not going to finish games, but he starts so that you establish a defensive mentality. Rajon Rondo is his direct backup, and he's going to come in and maybe close games, and he's going to fill in things with the second unit, and he might end first halves as well as the close games that might come up uh, for the Clippers down the stretch. And then you have Reggie, who I don't consider him a point guard when Beverly and Rondo are available. Reggie is a shooting guard. He's there to be like the sixth man, the score. He's going to play a lot of his minutes with Rajon Rondo. And obviously, who's the point guard in that circumstance? Who's going to be facilitating things? It's going to be Rajon Rondo, right? So the quote-unquote point guard, rotation, depth chart, however you want to call it, however it lays out, that's kind of how it's going to be. They need Beverly because Beverly is a great shooter, a great shooter, not a good shooter, a great shooter, 40% consistently, uh, not just this year, but in previous years offensively and then defensively you know what he gives you he's he's going to guard uh often he's not the event kind of defender that he used to be as far as steals and whatnot but he 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 blocks shots he he blocks jump shots. That's hard to do for a point guard. <laughs> he blocks yeah. shots. He gets into the bodies of some of the best scorers in the league from the point guard position. He can guard up positions and he challenges on the boards. He's an incredibly valuable player. The Clippers are a better team with him. And they don't need him to play 25-30 minutes. He can do his thing, make an impact in 20 minutes. And they have the pieces where, you know, it just balances the rest of the roster out. He's he's a tough player to replace. Uh so hopefully he's back before the playoffs
1: yeah no question uh, obviously the record reflects what just how important he's been to the team law before before i let you go i uh, just want to you know ask about how the season has been for you obviously it's been a difficult one in terms of the pandemic and adjusting and a lot of you know a lot of these zoom type uh, press conferences and calls uh, just what's what has this been like this year been like for you covering the clippers and seeing this team it's been a blessing i, I really just I can't think the athletic enough for seeing
2: something in me to put me in this position. I was at ESPN for a long time. Uh, before I was at ESPN full time, I was covering the Clippers then. So I know what it's like to cover shoot arounds, cover practices, be in the building, uh, be in the locker room, stuff like that. Uh, I That role decreased over my time at ESPN, which was always, um it it was always disheartening to be honest with you because I felt like I was building something uh even in my early days where I was encouraged to be around uh shout out to Chad Millman who's at the Action Network like he encouraged (laughs) me when I got there it's like hey you you understand the NBA you've been in locker rooms you know how to cover cover this league like that's an asset so uh I'm thankful for the people who brought me on ESPN and gave me an opportunity to encourage me to do more uh, instead of to do less instead of put me in the box in a role and now the athletic they saw my experience and was like look this is the zoom era but you can still do a lot with it this is a great opportunity right now it'll be a great opportunity when we get back on the road I'm talking not just me but media in general get back on the road traveling Uh, seeing seeing the country seeing the United States seeing this league getting that perspective that comes with uh, being outside of your bubble if you will so um, it's it's been tough Uh, I'm not going to be at Sunday night's home game against the Timberwolves Uh, I haven't gotten my first shot yet Uh, the process of getting a negative test is a little more complicated than that it's not it's, it's just a little too much right now uh i'll get there and so i'm excited to get vaccinated i'm excited to just continue the progress of getting this country back uh opening up and everything uh being safe about it and i got a lot to look forward to so it's it's been it's been a very unique and interesting season there's a lot of opportunities to make the most of it and that's really what i've been focusing on
1: well, uh, I can tell you that, you know, from all Clipper fans out there, uh, we appreciate what you've done this year, uh, covering the team. and do a great job and uh, we're thankful for that and looking forward to a, uh, to much more coverage for hopefully a, a long run into, into the playoffs for the Clippers. Hey, absolutely.
2: We'll see what happens. I'll be here for whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Thanks again for coming on and uh, yeah, we'll catch up down the line.
2: All right. Thank you, Jesse.
1: So that will do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Clippers podcast. Once again, a huge thank you to Law Murray of The Athletic for coming on the show. Of course, if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, you're missing a lot of great content from Law over there. So be sure to check it out on The Athletic and follow him on Twitter, where he's always giving great updates on all the latest Clippers news. So again, a big shout out to Law for coming on the show. And of course, thank you to everyone out there for listening. As always, we always appreciate it. As you heard at the top of the show, you can find the show wherever you get your podcasts. And of course at believe.com. so with all that said we'll talk to you again next week on the bleed podcast network la's number one sports podcast network and the only place to show with every team in la and more we believe in our la teams do you believe go clips